Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Good evening, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Dynasty Show. We've got a super exciting show for you this evening. To start off with, Dan and I are finally back together hosting. Yeah, I know. A few weeks, hasn't it, Dan? But It's been a little while, yeah. Everything going okay with you? Uh, yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there slowly. So I've had a change of jobs and so on. New job starts on Monday. So, uh, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. And you may have noticed if you're watching on the stream, we do have a special guest with us this evening. We, of course, have Kevin Coleman. He is at the boys 22 uh, on Twitter. There might be, is there an underscore in there, Kevin? Or have I, have I yeah, there's that? an underscore in there. Someone actually has that. I'm trying to talk to Elon about getting that fixed, but no. He, and he, the guy hasn't tweeted for like five years. But yeah, it's underscore 22. Oh, well, she did so well checking the name, the affiliations, and everything. So you didn't offend him, Hannah. And in the first line of the thing, you got his Twitter handle. Failed. I know it's a disaster, isn't it? But maybe Kevin will be at the boys' twenty-two soon because we know that Elon's chucking a load of people out. So <laughs> I might be right in a few weeks' time, right? <laughs> and uh, Kevin, of course, you're affiliated with the football guys and the Devi Royale. And I also have to mention that you got the Tags Rising Star Award. So you are one of the greats in the community we're really excited to have you on and thank you so much for coming on tonight what have you been up to recently oh man just uh finishing the school year as a teacher so i've just been enjoying that and then as far as content goes just kind of diving back into it um and doing a bunch of uh, spotlights and youtube videos and stuff like that you know how it is it keeps you busy um and just trying to trying to figure out the year and kind of getting that lull of like, all right, I'm going to take a little bit of a break, but now I'm back into it. I'm excited about talking fantasy. Yeah, of course. I think we're all kind of gearing up now, aren't we? As the season gets going, 
um, college season's coming, NFL season's coming, and we're all kind of chomping at the bit, I guess, to get yeah. to get going, right? Um, so obviously, like the, the 2023 season, uh, the 2023 draft is not long finished, really. And it feels like only, well, it was only a couple of weeks ago that we were chatting draft, all of those rookies, where they're going to fit, where they're going to go, and how everything's going to kind of pan out for this season. But already, I'm hearing loads and loads of chatter within the dynasty community about the 2024 class you know oh i'm really excited for the class or you know i've got these picks i want to trade or um so i think it seems like a, a good time really to to take a peek into that class really and and find out who might be coming into the nfl what kind of i suppose caliber of players we're looking at how excited we should be getting how we should be kind of valuing our 24 picks um and so kevin i thought you would be the perfect person really to to come in and, and chat about that um you know with your work with the devi royale and everything um i know you've got tons of knowledge on on these guys so i thought you'd be the perfect guy to kind of steal some information on and and share with with our listeners yeah, for sure. I wouldn't say perfect, above average. We don't go for perfect <laughs> on, uh, on over here. It creates too many expectations. You're setting yourself short, Kevin. You're setting yourself short. Uh, it creates too many expectations. So I, I go above average. I kind of know these guys. I've been diving into, um, we'll talk about it later, but you know, in terms of like how does Dynasty and Debbie kind of intermix and how do you rank these guys and stuff like that. So um, we've been doing a lot of work this offseason focusing on that. So I, I'm pretty in tune with the Dynasty space and like how these things are getting valued. I say, Hannah, you've not been around too long in the dynasty. Same for me. If it was like, do you get to this stage of every year, and the next year's draft class is always the best one that's coming? <laughs> and is, am I right, Kevin? It's always the next year's class that is always the best. Like you get over the hype, and then you start looking ahead. How many times did people last this time last year bulk up on twenty twenty three rookie picks yeah. in their leagues, and they've got there and gone? Oh, I wish I had twenty twenty four picks. <laughs> and I can guarantee next May they'll wish they had twenty twenty five picks because that's just the way it goes that's the space man that's what it is i mean i think the thing too is like people the way people have built dynasty rosters has definitely changed so like it used to be all about youth and it somewhat is that too but like they think picks for sure things and then what we've seen the last couple of years is those things are not sure things anymore and so i think we have seen a shift in kind of the mindset but yeah i've already seen the takes like 24 is better i saw that like probably what in april and, and yeah. like it's like hey can we just enjoy one class at a time? Let's just kind of go through. Like, there's value to be had in all these guys' classes. But you know how people are. They're fickle beasts. They are fickle, and they just want what's new, what's new, what's new. They're like my kids. Like, what are we doing now? It's like, we just went to Disneyland, or we just did this. What are you talking about? Yeah, absolutely. It's next, next, next. I want to look forward to the next thing, isn't it? So based on that, Kevin, what are your general thoughts on this 2024 class? Is it the best class ever or are people getting <laughs> it's the best class since the last class? Yeah, you know, um, so like I, I, as far as like this class goes, you know, in my notes, but also just in general, I think it has three elite players. So you're looking at like Caleb Williams at quarterback. You know, and quarterback is a tough one because, you know, he plays at USC, won the Heisman last year, for those of you that don't know. And he's getting value probably as like a dynasty top 10 quarterback already before he got drafted, before he's even coming out. Um, now, as far as like him as a prospect, he's got some things to work on. Um, and quarterbacks are really hard. They're hard to judge. You know, you've seen it with Malik Willis. You saw it with Sam Howe. You see it with these guys. But Caleb is about as sure as a prospect as you would expect. Like, okay, we know this guy's going to probably be valued here. He's probably going to go one. Um 
Then you have an elite wide receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr. He's an absolute stud. If you haven't watched him play, I'd, I'd recommend going out there and watching some Ohio State games. Um, he's a pretty sure it would be sh- I'd be shocked if he didn't go top five in the NFL draft next year. Like that is kind of the value of he's have out there in circles. And he's getting valued right now anywhere between like dynasty wide receiver three to eight in combined rankings. Like he is very high. And then maybe a top possible tight end, Brock Bowers, as like a top five guy but that's just because the tight end position sucks as you guys know like it is so hard to like you think these guys are going to produce at high levels and I, and I have some question marks about bowers and others don't um but as a whole like there's a lot of question marks in this class and and, and there's value the thing is with this class is the running backs so like last year everybody talked about the 2023 running backs and then they didn't really pan out like they kind of did there was some that got draft capital this year and people were excited about but we don't have a B. John Robinson in this class. It could be Travion Henderson from Ohio State, but it really, the the class as a whole is going to come down to how well those running backs produce and where we see that. Because if they don't do very well, because there's a lot, there's like four or five question marks for each one of these guys, this class would be very shallow. I think the top five picks you really like in this class and you'd be happy with that. Um, but as far as like, you know, I did a 24 mock recently and the first running back taken was at the 109. So that goes to tell you kind of what the value is at that position. Um, now, if they hit, though, then you're looking at probably, again, like, a, you know, 101 to 110 is where you really want to be. Um, but, you know, there's a lot. They got to work themselves out. There's a lot of question marks after the top guys at each position and even at running back for the number one. And how much do you think this is kind of going to play out over the course of this season, really? Do you think um, that you know, the elite guys are going to stay in the elite tier. I know lots can happen, injuries, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But yeah, how much do you think is going to play out this season and how much do you think we're kind of going to have to see how they go on in the NFL kind of thing? So, you know, I, I'm very like cautious about this in terms of uh, I've shifted my tone in the last few years as you kind of, you gain knowledge of how these things work themselves out. There's only two players that I'm like, yeah, they're going to be dynasty assets I'd want. That's Marvin Harrison Jr. and Caleb Williams. After that, there is a significant tier break of like, where is these guys' value is going to shift? And it's kind of, I call it the Keishon Boutte factor. You know, Keishon Boutte for three years yep. was an elite wide receiver, and then he went in the sixth round of the Patriots. And whatever you think of, you know, that, or Zach Evans, sixth round to the Rams, he was, he was getting touted as like a 108, 107. So um, there is a ton of question marks. And that is also why I've shifted a lot my dynasty um, uh, you know, how I strategize and how I kind of attack drafts is I don't care about picks as much anymore, uh, unless it's like a top five. And I think it's value there. I will move picks more now than I ever have to get that immediate production. I think part of that is because people just want to, they want to build, but they don't want to win. Like I see that so much in leagues. And if you look at your leagues, if you went through like how many are rebuilding and how many are competing, it's like three people. So there's always a market to go out there and make the playoffs and try to win money. And so that's how I kind of look at that. As far as the class, yeah, it's two guys that I'm really like, yeah, those guys are elite players. After that, there's a ton of question marks and I'm not going to bank on them hitting at their ceiling just so I can kind of rebuild anyway. And, and that's just not how I kind of build my teams anymore. So in terms of value of picks, you're almost shying away from them for 2024 at this stage in, unless they're really early considerations. So, yeah, I would say this, though, like if 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 someone you know how it is, everybody always like thinks they're going to get Caleb Williams in, in their picks. Like everybody that trades at first is like, oh, that's going to be Caleb Williams. And then it turns into, you know, Will Levis at the 111 or whatever the case may be. So, like, I use that as a barometer. Like if I if I'm holding a first that people deem to be top five, 
then I'm going to use that first to go get an elite asset because I they think they're going to get either Marvin Harrison Jr. or Caleb or whatever. Um, and that's kind of how I utilize picks now. It's not so much like I think one thing that early dynasty managers do this when they start it, they assign their picks to players as soon as this year. Like, oh, well, I have a top five guy. That's going to be Marvin. He'll look great on this roster. And that's not how we need to. That's not how you should kind of build. Yeah. Um, so I just look at a pure value and I give Jay Stein credit. He works for football guys with me. Um, he's an analytics guy. I am not analytics. So don't, don't throw any numbers <laughs> at me, but he is, that's his thing. He loves it. Um, but he's really changed my idea of like uh, just assigning value. It's strict value. And then as you look at the picks, it's just, how can I manipulate this value to get the player that I want in dynasty? And I have a trade calculator essentially in my own rankings of like, all right, this is where I value this pick at. If I can get any of these assets in this tier, I'm going to do it because that is kind of the value of it. And then and I tear up or whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, as a whole, yeah, I, I, I tend to just look at them as value. I don't look at as players even. For, and I think that's what Debbie does wrong too. Like Debbie is not about who the best players are. The, the reason why people struggle in Debbie is because they always think that they're smarter than NFL scouts. We are not like we are not smarter than NFL scouts. So like the way that you play Debbie is, you know, you need to know who to avoid and how to extract value. Those are the two biggest points of like having any type of fantasy for college is who the hell do you avoid? Like I was a big off of like uh, Kyron Williams two years ago, Sean Tucker this last year. Like I was off those guys and in where to get out when you need to get out and how to extract value. That's kind of how you should play Debbie, the format as a whole as college um more than dynasty see i'm in debbie leagues and i'm just gonna jump in a little bit and go off a little because kevin's here i want to pick his brain i'm in a debbie league but debbie leagues are for knowledge-based purposes effectively so mm -hmm. it's getting me familiar with the college guys or something mm -hmm. the one thing i find even difficult even myself is the valuing of those because we've mentioned already the hit rate on rookie picks isn't wonderful past yeah. anything mid first onwards so how does that compare to a Devi pick? And then for how do you value that? Okay. So um, what I try to do, because I get this question a lot. And uh, let's say, so you're in a Devi league. It's kind of depleted your rookie draft or whatever the case may be. If it's a combined rookie and Devi draft that has a little bit more value um, just because of the incoming freshman. But let's say it's separate. I just look at like, so early first to me are like mid first, mid to late first. So like I try to appropriate the value based on probably how many guys are going to be gone because there's always a Javante. There's always a Zach Wilson. There's always these guys that kind of yeah. pop out of nowhere. Joe Bros, for example, was one of the one in my, I started a Debbie league um, that we're still going. And that year we did a 10 round Debbie draft. Joe Bro and I get drafted in the 10 rounds. So he was available at the one-on-one the next year because no one really thought Joe Burrow was going to yeah. be Joe Burrow. Um, so yeah, I, what I do is I kind of, Hey, you know, early first and depleted drafts, I look at it as mid to late first and in like mid first are like early seconds. And so that's kind of yep. how I correlate that value. And it is hard. It's super hard to do. Um, but that's just how I look at them. But what about your Debbie pick? How would you sell that? Yeah. So the Debbie pick, um, when you're looking at how you, you sell Debbie, well, that's, that's a little easier because people always buy in a freshman hype in the incoming freshman class. And so you can generally like, um, like a guy like Arch Manning is a guy that's this year's like, I'm going. <laughs> yeah. So like early on, you know, Arch was, you know, going one oh one. Now his Debbie value, like in the last mock I did was at two Oh four. So right. you've seen the fluctuation there. So like for me, when I'm looking at Debbie picks, like I, I, you can sell Debbie picks a lot easier because people always believe they can pick the next Patrick Mahomes. They can pick that next guy. 
Um, and that's how I value it. And value, yeah, if, if it's if it's separate, if it's just a Debbie, those definitely hold more value. I treat those almost like I do regular first, just okay. because of the perceived value that people think they're getting on their roster. That's kind of how I look at it. We have two very clear different strategies to a Devi League, with, which I see playing. I'm a win now draft always have been, yeah. and I use my picks as value for other assets mm -hmm. potentially. I'm not worried about drafting players, yeah. I'll use them as assets. Then there's some guys that will go out there and they'll obtain in a free round Devi League draft, they'll go and pick up 15 picks and just flood themselves with rookies and hope that the hit rate comes through, I guess. There's two very different strategies and approach to it. There is. I tend to go with what you talk about, how you do your strategy. Um, and the reason why is because, like I said, nobody else wants to win. And you kind of yeah. you can create that value there. Um, and I don't I don't recommend you can do the strategy you're talking about. It, it, it's very hard to do. And you really got to hit right. Like you'd have to yeah. really make sure you hit on those picks. But yeah, I tend to just always like if I collect assets, you know, when I draft a Debbie player, there's a 99% chance that dude's not going to be on my roster by the time he's a rookie. Like 99% chance he's moving. Like I've already yeah. like this year I was able to shift like Malachi Nelson. I traded Malachi Nelson and like a depleted first uh, for Dak Prescott. And I think it was what running back was it? Maybe DeAndre or someone like that. I needed the help and I needed that value. And Malachi Nelson, while he plays at USC, could be really good. We don't know. For four years, no. we're not sure what that's going to look like. And so, yeah, I'm I'm on your board. That's how I treat Debbie. Like, and that's how I treat it. I just treated an extension of Dynasty, but without valuing Debbie picks very highly in terms of my okay. personal preference, but use people that really do value behind or win leagues. That's how I do it. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. Sorry, Hannah. I'll let you get back to the plan no. schedule. No, no, don't apologize at all. I'm I'm actually going to jump in now. I'm sorry. We've got going. <laughs> so, Segwaying. I'm just really interested because um, I, I love the idea, you know, of what you're saying in terms of basically you don't really value picks that much. What kind of happens, like, obviously you potentially sell them for some, some stud players. Great you know, they will be on your roster, hopefully for a decent period of time. But what happens when your roster starts to kind of age out a little bit? How do you then, when you potentially don't have as many rookie picks because you've traded them away, how do you kind of then re-kind of youth your team a little bit so it's a bit more balanced? So I love that question. I, I think one, there's a market inefficiency right now. There's a, or you can manipulate the market right now on mid-tier older veterans that can still produce at high levels that are cheap. So like guys like, for example, I'll give you Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is a guy that no one wants on their roster right now. And so he's going really cheap. I saw him go for the 208 in a, in a Debbie Dynasty combined uh, trade recently. Joe Mixon could have like a Fournette two-year stretch where you're like, hey, I can value him. And so like the way I do it, to be honest with you, I don't go, I've never go full rebuild like youth. Like I never built to that. I call it retooling essentially. So like all I do is retool and look for those two to three-year assets no one wants. It's like the... Um, I don't know if you've watched like uh, Rudolph Red Nose Reindeer, the Island of Misfit Toys. That's my shit. That's my area. Like I'll go get the Misfit <laughs> Toys and Dynasty, and I'll just retool all those dudes. Like you know, even Javante right now is like a twenty-four asset. He's not that. You know, he's pretty cheap in terms of that. So I go look, and I just kind of retool the retool. Um, and I don't necessarily look to get super young. I just look for those age cliffs because there are dudes out there and, and, and managers out there that literally live by age cliffs. 
running back 25, they're dead. I'm out. Like I'm not touching them. Okay. I'll take the 25 and 26 year old Nick Chubb mm -hmm. that, you know, has 1400 rushing yards when he's 25. I'll take that on my roster. Uh, wide receivers 27. They're done. Okay. I'll take 28, 29 year old Amari Cooper or however that works. And I just flip them that way and retool. But I, I will say this. I always try to, so if you're looking at your roster, um, you want as many, like if you go to like our ADP or dynasty rankings at football guys or wherever you at, wherever you're looking at, to me, I want four elite assets in the top 20. So if I can find that I have four elite assets in the top 20, that team's going to mm -hmm. be a contender. How do I get there? Let me consolidate some of my bottom picks. So when got, when people reload and retool, like you were mentioning, what they'll do is they'll sell like a Jamar Chase, a dollar Jamar Chase for like five nickels because they think collecting as many assets as they can is the way to rebuild where I'll take those five nickels and in a pick and go get a tier up player and go get that area. So like, that's kind of how I look at dynasty and retooling and, and essentially kind of the value. And I never, <laughs> you never want to let your roster age out too much, but there also is value to holding on to guys that are just going to die on your roster. So Cooper cup, Kelsey, some of these guys that you're just like, Chubb is kind of getting into that category as well. Like the guys like, Hey, I'm going to ride you out and have that production, but then I'm going to hit on a couple of these Debbie picks or a couple of these rookie picks, especially at that running back position to where I know that I have a day two guy that can fill in and there's always value to be had there yeah uh, yeah i think it's really interesting i don't know if you've got anything else to to, to say on on that no the, the only other thing is i play dynasty in say three year hits i think you mentioned it in that last answer there i'm always looking at three year value cycles is that the same with devi do you take that same three years or do you extend that slightly um I, so the way I would look at it in terms of, yeah, I mean, dynasty cycles, three years is there. I mean, you could even shorten that to two years if you wanted yep. just because of the way the value shifts so much. Yep. Um, as far as Debbie goes. Yeah. I mean, I don't even really look at like three or four years out because in college, look at DJU, he was the one QB one for two, you know, and then also now he's not a roster. So, um, I almost look at like every Debbie asset as a one year asset. Like it just, okay, what okay. can I use him for this year? How can I use him to win? Cause I'm not playing college fantasy. So I really don't care if Gibbs has 2000 yards rushing. Okay. Gibbs is looking like he's trending to be a day two guy. People really love him. All right. How so do I hope use in your Debbie picks though is basically move up within the tiers whilst yep. they're in college. Yep. Increase in value at that and the increase in value. And then if I need to ship them, I can, or yeah. you look and you try to, you know, you, you can't keep them. Like I have a few teams that have Bijan, but the reason why is because I built my team to be ready for Bijan. Yeah. Um, and, and that's how I kind of look at it. So yeah, Debbie strictly to me, it has nothing to do with college. Like you cannot even like college and play Debbie because yeah. if you just manipulate the values, that's where it's at. There, there, this isn't, this is, this isn't about college production. That's why, like, for example, I know I'm talking a lot, but Blake Corum from Michigan. He's a running back from Michigan. He's an elite college back. I'm a Michigan fan. I love Michigan. I love Blake Corum. That dude is not getting day two draft capital. There is just, I, I would be shocked if he got day two draft capital, but he's being talked about as being like the running back one in some circles and like the top and a day two guy. That's the kind of guy I would move off my roster. But if you didn't do it by last year, you probably missed the boat of getting that at best value. And those are the type of things you have to look at. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think I think it kind of does also um, relate to, to Dynasty, doesn't it? Like you say, it is all about you know looking at, at basically asset and share management, isn't it? So when is the peak value of this player? You know, if I don't want my roster, I should sell him now. When is the low value of some players? I think there's it's going to rise. I should 
put them on my team you know and it, it, a lot of it is asset you know management mm -hmm. isn't it basically it is i mean lewis spoke about it last week as much as it is and it's about getting value and where possible selling high and buying low la -da 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 -da. people do that so often they forget to win and that's what <laughs> that's what frustrates me about dynasty is there's so much asset collection that you can go and win league sometimes just by being a little bit tuned in to, to trying to win it. Yeah, absolutely. Right, let's get back on track to the 2024 yeah. <laughs> class, shall we? Um, really awesome chat, though. I really enjoyed that, and that's going to uh, probably spur me to look at doing some stuff with my dynasty <laughs> rosters and probably value my uh, rookie picks a bit less and see what I can get to to go and, and win. I'm going to go and sell my Arch Manning shirt that I've got because Kevin's <laughs> keeping him. So. <laughs> All I'm going to say is I did manage to win my only Devi League last year, so I was, nice. I was well pleased with that. Nice. Um, so um, we were having a chat before you came on, Kevin, and we, we we just asked you if you wouldn't mind bringing to us two players from each position that you think that dynasty managers should be aware of going into kind of this season, keep an eye out for them, um, and ones that are going to be coming out in 2024. So shall we start with the QBs? You obviously mentioned um, one of your guys already, Caleb Williams, the quarterback from USC. Um, that's right, isn't it? Am I right? Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah you are. Look at me go. Um, <laughs> I think, to be honest, I think pretty much every Dynasty player has heard his name yeah. and knows something about him. Um, so I think, as I say, we had a kind of little quick discussion about him earlier. Um, so kind of diving in a little bit deeper, Kevin, what do you think of him in terms of, I suppose, where you think he would potentially slot in if he came out now within that, that those NFL QBs? Yeah, let me. Um, so one thing we do on our Patreon, we actually have combined Debbie Dynasty rankings um, up to 150 quarterbacks, 200 running backs, 20 wide receivers. So we already have it for everybody out there. Um, so I have Caleb right now as my quarterback nine. So um, he's in the tier. So I have Fields at six, Lawrence at seven, and Jackson at eight. And that's kind of a tier to itself. And then at number nine, I have Caleb Williams, and he's ahead of Kyler, Deshaun, Anthony Richardson, and Dak. So he's kind of in that tier. Um, but if he gets at the one one you could easily maybe move him. We'll see what Fields does this year. We'll see what Lamar does. I, I, I'm, I'm expecting a big season for Lamar. But to me, he's already a top nine dynasty quarterback um, in terms of value. And, and that's one of those things. Um, the reason why, too, if you look at like Caleb and you're looking at if you want to know like Lincoln Riley, quarterback at USC, all he does is just produce fantasy QB ones. Kyler, Jalen Hurts, like you go through the list. Baker Mayfield was good for a little while. Like when you're looking at overall one picks and what they do, um, he does all that. Elite accuracy, really good leader, um, really good arm, puts up great numbers. I mean, when they talk about it, I mean, everybody says Patrick Mahomes is what he is, but essentially he's he's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck in terms of what we've seen wow. from him and what he can be. Um, I think the biggest thing is the knock. If you want to knock anything on him, I think sometimes his mechanics get a little wonky because he tries to do so much and he doesn't throw it away. There's little areas of his game nuances there and the size thing, six, one, two, 15. Some guys will knock that, but Bryce just went number one and he's five, 10, 190 pounds. So like, Caleb's going to get there, um, but he's about as sure thing as a Debbie quarterback can be. Um, and then as far as a dynasty asset, he's the only one in that top 15 right now in college that I would have him in the top 15 in dynasty. So basically, if it were, we were going to have a 
you know, the 24 rookies came out today, he would be the 101 yeah. undisputed at this point. Undisputed. I, I, I don't see any way that you, unless you took Marvin Harrison Jr., but in Superflex, he's going to be the 101 and Marvin Harrison Jr. be the 102. Yeah. Um, as I say, everything I've heard generally has been positive uh, from him, you know, about him in terms of, what he potentially is coming into the NFL as and what he, he could potentially be. I'm really interested how much of a of a dual threat is he, Kevin? Um is he one of those dual threat guys or you know, is it more he um kind of rushes when he really has to? He um probably a little bit of both. So he had like six hundred and fifty rushing yards and seven touchdowns last year on the ground. Um I would put him at like He's not going to be Kyler or anything like that, but maybe like Deshaun Watson. Like if you wanted to kind of get like a comp for rushing style and kind of what he can do, like he, he'll he be over probably the 400-yard mark, but you're not and – he, and he's going to score some rushing touchdowns. Um, that's what probably entices people for him as fantasy too because he's going to have a little bit of that rushing threshold on top of what he can do with his arm. Um, so, yeah, he's in the middle. I wouldn't necessarily classify him as like a, a dual-threat kid, but he definitely has a better – understanding of what he needs to do um it's a big joke on our show for football guys that we do because a few years ago i got a big old argument with a bunch of people on twitter shocking i know that twitter is accessible um <laughs> but they were trying to say sam howe was a dual threat kid because sam howe almost ran for a thousand yards in north carolina's offense and i was like no he he's not dual threat sam howe is not a dual threat kid just because you look at the box score does not mean that he's going to be able to produce and i got a lot of hate for that now we see that sam howe you know he's not a dual threat kid i would put caleb in the middle like he's not howe He's not going to be Murray. He's going to be that Watson type mold where he's going to score touchdowns on the ground, but he's not. That's not going to be like a, a significant part of his game. Yeah. So was there an argument to say that Drake may may be a bit more fantasy relevant with the rushing upside there potentially? I don't. I think he's just like how because of that system that they okay. play in and like yeah, the design way. runs and those type of things. Like um, I think Drake is a little under him as far as a rusher. I think that he has deceptive speed and all that. Um, I have seen like, a bit of Cam Newton in Drake May sometimes. He, um, you know, he has like he has functional athleticism, like he does, hmm. he, and it's funny too when you watch. He's a big tape. guy as well. Yeah, he's a big kid, and when you watch the tape on him, it's hilarious because like he'll make someone miss, and I'm like, how the hell did he make that dude miss? Because it looks like <laughs> me with my kids. Like, how did how did that happen? Um, he he has that ability. Drake May from North Carolina quarterback. Uh, the thing about May is that I don't think he's as Paul's pasture as Williams. <laughs> so like. May's got to improve his passing. I think there's a little bit of mechanic stuff with him that he's got to definitely improve. Um, that's why he's a little bit of a tier below. Uh, but yeah, both are really good. Both those quarterbacks are good. Fantastic. So is Drake May the second quarterback you was coming on to, to talk about, I presume, right? Yeah, I mean, you Drake... see him, what, top eight, top ten of an NFL draft? Um, yeah, I think right now, if you're projecting Drake May, I, I think it depends because I think with the position being such a... It's a tough position where they're trying to refill and retool there. I think he could sneak into the top five. I, I have him as a top 14 guy right now just because I'm very – a, a starter coming in day one? Yeah, I think so. I think he okay. I think he can be. I, he's got to develop as a passer. There, there, are, some, so there are some areas where um, it makes me a little bit nervous. I think, I think him coming from a North Carolina system – now, they do have a new offensive coordinator this year, so you're going to see a new, new area gets kind of there. And that was a big thing. I don't know if – like NIL in college is essentially – it's a free agency that's going to pay yep. people. Drake May was getting a lot of offers, and May's big thing. He came back to North Carolina, but he told the you know Mac Brown, the head coach, 
I need you to develop me for the NFL. I need a better offense coordinator. And he did that and they brought him in. So he knows he's got to improve that. As far as like where I have him right now in Dynasty, I'm as QB 18 overall in my Dynasty um, Debbie okay. rankings. Um, so he's around like Tua in that area, like in terms of like where I would value him because I do think we miss on these quarterbacks a lot in college. But if he develops fine, I think he's going to be a top 10 pick. Like if he, if he develops his passing and all that. And plus... QB three in this class is anybody's guess. There's a ton of quarterbacks after these two. So that's definitely going to push up his value a little bit because NFL teams are going to need a guy like him. I think Drake May for me, someone that Andy Richardson done it this year when he gets to the combine and actually starts trying some athleticism away from the field, I think could actually increase in people's estimations. Yeah, yeah no, hundred percent. He definitely could. And, and I think that, and if he does what he did last year and he approves, I think the biggest thing last year that we saw him kind of struggle down the stretch last three or four games did not look great. Um, I highly recommend your listeners. If you, if you go to YouTube, QB school um, is a really cool resource. I'm his, I'm in a, I'm in his Patreon. It's one of the ones I pay for. Um, he breaks down these guys in depth on film and he has a great one on May. It's free. If you go watch that, you can kind of see yeah. some of the things he does well. Some things he doesn't. And so like, that's where, you know, a lot of that analysis comes from is guys like that. that are much smarter than me at quarterback position. But um, as, a, as a whole, I tend to be a little bit more um, cautious with the quarterback. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Fair enough. Yeah, I totally get that because my slight concern often is landing spot. Obviously, these guys are going high up in the draft to usually, although recently we've had a lot of trades and things where people have ended up, you know, going up to get these QBs, but often they're going into these kind of bad teams and then they're expected to produce coming straight out of college. Um, and I think sometimes that can affect them and you know ruin their confidence and and they just don't develop and we don't see their full potential so I also always feel a little bit nervous about QBs and I think you know where they go and what support they get when they get into the NFL has a massive kind of impact on how well they ultimately do in the league Um, yeah if Urban Meyer is your head coach right like I think um (laughs) I, I think it definitely, I think it matters. So like Anthony Richards is a perfect example. Goes to Steichen's offense now. And like, that's a perfect built offense for him. Like, oh, okay. He went to a spot where they're not going to make him something he's not. They're not going to make him a, you know, in the pocket passing quarterback, whatever the case may be. I think that matters. So stylistically and understanding how schemes are going to work. I think you hit it on the head, Hannah. Like, 
I think the number one thing I see, the number one mistake I see dynasty managers make year in and year out, we talked about it, football guys, is they don't understand that schemes change. And they, every year, like we're projecting a lot of these guys and then like we're looking at quarterback landing spots and all this stuff, but they never look at the scheme. How does it fit? And where does these quarterbacks fit into? And the weapons around you and, and everything. Like Lawrence is a perfect example. Didn't have a great scheme, didn't have a great coach, didn't really have the weapons. They did that last year. They gave more weapons this year. We should see that improve. Field, same thing. Like that's why I'm actually kind of like what they what Carolina's done for Bryce. Why we can laugh about those weapons that they have, and they're not that great. They're still better weapons than we saw Fields have the last two years. Like, so they are still trying to build around him. So yeah, I, I you want to get Caleb or Drake or these guys to get to a spot where they're going to elevate their strengths and really build around them. But we have seen the NFL most good franchises are starting to like realize that. So you're starting to see them develop in there. But I think that is the case. But as far as like. How much does it affect both of these guys? I think Caleb's talent is always going to outweigh that. So he's going to go one-on-one. I think where the question becomes is like Drake May, where does he land? And then where does Marvin Harrison Jr. land? And where are you comfortable taking it at 102 if they could both get top 10 draft capital? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was kind of going to mention, which you've just said. You know, you can see with Trevor that his talent kind of means that he kind of managed to weather the storm of that first year yeah. and has come through and is showing now that he has you know got the talent and can play whereas I think some of the less talented QBs probably then they struggle they lose confidence you know and, and then they just don't develop even yeah. if you get them into a better system they've kind of lost that confidence in themselves and I think it does have a big factor obviously I've never played NFL QB but I assume <laughs> that confidence you know is a massive part of the game right yeah. you're one of the main guys on the field you've got to distribute the ball if you're not confident in yourself and where you can put it then how is anyone else going to be um so really great convo on those uh qbs really interesting uh should we have a look at the running backs um you've again mentioned this one uh slightly earlier kevin uh trayvon henderson was your your first choice discussion now i, I don't um my knowledge isn't fabulous of, of college football but am i correct in saying that he had a few injuries last season um and that kind of has dinged his kind of value a bit would you say? Yeah, he had a broken, uh, broken bone in his foot. So he had like a lower ankle, like foot ankle injury that pretty much nagged him the whole year. So that's why you saw his production dip a little bit. He only had 500 yards rushing last year. As you know, his freshman year, as compared to that, he had 1,200 yards rushing and 15 touchdowns, and was really a receiving threat, 300 yards receiving. So that's the big knock on Henderson. He did not look good last year. He was injured, but even when he wasn't injured prior to that, he struggled running the football inside and hitting his zones and trying to his vision. So like, that's what people you're going to hear are kind of looking at too. Um, but to me, he's still a running back one in the class. It's just that the tier is now closer. So you have a lot of guys in that tier now. He did, he, he wasn't able to kind of, oh, you know, elevate above those guys last year. Like we were expecting. What, um, in terms of how, I guess, his play style, yeah. how would you say that Trayvon uh, plays? What are the positives and negatives about his style? Uh, mainly for people like me and probably some of the dynasty players that just haven't had a chance to dig into the, the college game yet. Um, you know, what, what kind of asset would we be getting if we picked him as the first RB onto our team? 
Yeah, so Trevion, I mean, the biggest thing with him is his speed. Like he's he's one of the faster um running backs in terms of like what he did in high school. So when he was dominated there, plus the weight, like he was a high, you know, sub 11 um time in the 100 meters during high school and that's something to look at when you're scouting and trying to figure out where these guys are at. I think that of this class, he he's probably the best receiver um outside of maybe Donovan Edwards. Donovan Edwards is probably the best and you have Trevion there. Um, and then lateral agility, like as far as just like a, as a football player, he, he covers all like the, he checks those boxes, speed, receiving lateral agility. And when he was coming out of high school, he was comped by 247 sports to Christian McCaffrey. So that's kind of was his comp. Now I wouldn't necessarily put him in that elite tier. Um, but that's kind of what he can do as a receiver and, and rusher. The biggest thing we need to see from him this year, durability, stay on the field. And in between the tackles, like that's the key. Like, can he show that he has the frame? He's 5'10, 215, 220. Um, there's rumors that he's almost up to 225. And if he can keep that weight with that speed, um, now we're talking about like a Saquon Barkley type level asset. Um, if he doesn't do that, that's when you get a little bit concerned because of that durability between the tackles, those type of things. Do you think he could profile us at three down back, or do you think that he's a bit more limited? Oh no, he's a three down guy. So if he, if he gets day two capital or, you know, somehow sneaks in the in around one or whatever the case may be, if he has a good year, um, no, he's a day three workhorse. So like, that's the other thing you're looking for workhorses now. Cause there's not a lot of workhorses out there. Henderson's a workhorse. And that's what excites you about him as a prospect. It's your second name on the list. I was excited to see Raheem Sanders. Yeah. Raheem so like I really struggle with Raheem so I'll be very you know um, I'm gonna be honest with everybody out there because so that both of these guys literally flipped their freshman and sophomore years Raheem is freshman year 500 yards rushing kind of looked okay then his second year he had over 1400 yards in the SEC last year and looked absolutely dominant so and he's 6'2 probably 235 this kid is massive so if you're looking for like a bruiser guy red zone that's what you're looking at there so he checks those boxes, production size, speed. Like he has that. I wouldn't necessarily say long speed, but in general, long speed's overrated when we're looking at prospects at the NFL side. He's a quick um, accelerator, right? Yes, very quick accelerator. And when this dude comes downhill, he's gonna just knock you on your ass because he's big. He's just not, he's not, he's not gonna have that. So he has that. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, from a from a profile standpoint, the holes you can plug into him is receiving. Not really like a pass catcher. Like he can get dump offs and those type of things, but pass catching is really a struggle. Okay. So it's kind of a C minus Derrick Henry. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say like he's probably like a little bit more athletic um, just from a college standpoint, not the NFL, but like his lateral agility uh, struggles sometimes. Like what is he going to be moving forward? Some people have him as running back one. I think that's a size thing. Um, they really like that size, that production that he's been able to do. I will say this though. If he produces this year, if he has over, if he has a 12 to 14 yard year again and Travion struggles, Raheem's probably going to be running back one. Like that's kind of how you look at like where that's going to be. Cause if he can duplicate his season, I um, mean, he was pretty efficient last year too. Six and a half yards per carry efficiency's numbers, elusive rating was really good. Um, according to PFF. So like Henderson's that type of guy, or excuse me, um, Sanders, that type of guy that you're like, Oh yeah, maybe he could be that Derrick Henry type guy. Um, and moving forward and he can, and he get that workload. But like to Hannah's point about Henderson, Henderson's more of that three down guy because I think he has more of a athleticism, receiving chops, those type of things. Raheem, if he's going to be Henry, he has to be get that volume to be that elite fantasy asset. Just quickly, there's one other running back that I, um, I really like in this class, and it's Will Shipley. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's a little bit smaller, a little bit lighter than these guys that we've mentioned. They're both big old backs, but I think Shipley's got a bit more elusiveness and pace about him. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up because like I feel like I'm the only one on Will Shipley Island. I think he's undervalued right now. <laughs> um, I, the thing with him, like he is again, pass catcher burst elusiveness. Those are three yeah. things I highlight in my notes. The thing with him is like I think he played in a, he, he plays a really bad offense. Now they have Garrett Riley. We're gonna see improved offense this year at Clemson. So they he just didn't didn't really have that offense to kind of do it, but he did. He looked better last year. 1100 yards, 15 touchdowns on the ground. He does those things. I think the question for me with Shipley is what is his athleticism? What is that Rouse score going to be? What's his 40? Yeah. And if he can hit that, then yeah. But as far as value goes, I mean, he went as late as the third, late third in a in a mock that we did recently. That's I'll, it. I'll, I'll smash Shipley all day at yeah. that. So yeah. that's the value thing that's a little different for him. Fair enough. Let's uh, shimmy on to the wide receivers. Um, again, we mentioned him earlier, Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. Um, what about him makes him basically the 102 in this draft behind Caleb Williams? Is it just that he can do everything? Or what What are his special skills? Um, everything. I, I would say if I had to like, <laughs> If I had to put three, like, okay, this is what he does well. Ball skills is manipulate to move his body and just catch it in all different angles. Um, elite eye discipline. So and he's going to bring it down. Um, size, 6'4". He was 205. And the crazy thing that people don't get is that this, this dude put 30 pounds of muscle on in college. So from his freshman to sophomore year, or kind of his senior year of high school to now, he's at 205, 210. He came in at Ohio State at 180. And he put on some, and it didn't hurt his speed or anything like that. So like, you know, we got in that weight room and just worked, um, probably the best footwork in college football. So off the line, create separation. This dude is just special. He should be because his dad was elite footwork, you know, Marvin Harrison, like yeah. that area. Um, yeah. And I think the thing that makes him probably excited as a prospect is you probably haven't seen a ceiling yet which is scary, which should be scary to like people in the big 10 and those things. Like, I don't think we've seen Marvin Harrison Jr.'s ceiling and he's already probably, he should have won the Blitnikoff last year. He didn't, um, but he's probably the, easily the top number one wide receiver in the country. And I think just based on the dynasty perspective where everybody has him, NFL GMs love him, going to be a top 10 pick, if not top five. So like, I think that's the thing that you have to like about him. Yeah. yeah. If you put him into the mold of a current player, who would it kind of be for you? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I've, I got think a cross. That, I've got a DK Metcalf meets Mike Evans. Yeah, that's a. I, I like that. I, the I athleticism, think he, the yeah. height and the build and their deceptive speed. I've kind of got that. Yeah. That, what's scary is he might actually have like Garrett Wilson's athleticism too, but he's also <laughs> six four. Like that's the scary yeah. part about Marvin Harrison Jr. Is like, I but I, I do like the Mike Evans comp <laughs> with DK because the size, speed, and like his ability to go up and catch. But he might have a little bit more athleticism than that. That's yep. what makes him so exciting as a prospect. Yeah, is that good? Yeah. Now I'm really excited to talk about the second wide receiver because I have him on my Devi team. Yeah. So I'd like you to tell me, Kevin, what <laughs> about Xavier Worthy um, is going to make him a dynasty asset just, or make? You just got to sell him. We've told you that already. I know this is why I was like, let's find out about him so that I can sell him to my league mate. So basically, you want Kevin to hype him for you for the other eleven players in your league so that you can go and get more value, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, so like Xavier for me, I am as my wide receiver three, uh, who I didn't put on the sheet was a Mecca Buka from Ohio state. I just, I'm a Michigan fan. I can't talk too much Ohio state in, in one show. <laughs> um, 
But Xavier is the guy that could really pop off and be the wide receiver too of this class. So his freshman year, he efficiency numbers and analytic numbers. He had some of the best numbers in the country um, as ever for freshman wide receiver. Uh, Travis May um, dives into this stuff and, and he was talking about it recently. Like he was off the charts. And then last year he had a broken hand. So we saw a lot of drops. We saw a lot of inefficient play. Quinn Ewers was banged up, didn't really have a backup. So we saw him struggle last year. So he's kind of dipped a little bit into the rankings. Um, but as far as a prospect goes, yak footwork explosiveness, and he's he's just small. So like he's anywhere between 163, 173 right now. The size thing to me, though, based on this year's draft class and how we saw these smaller guys get drafted with day one, day two, day and early day three capital, it makes me less concerned with Xavier, but he definitely could have a huge year. So like I did a Texas wide receiver breakdown on our YouTube channel and looking at all these guys and from just a value standpoint and what he could be going in the wide receiver too, maybe, I think that teams might really like that. We've seen, we saw it like Baltimore taking Zay, Zay Flowers and that with the 22nd pick, like that could have been easy Xavier Worthy, right? Even if he didn't have that year, because last year Xavier Worthy was probably a little bit better than Zay um, in terms of like efficiency, not necessarily um, overall box score production. Uh, but that's kind of with Xavier. I think that he could step up. He's going to be healthy. Um, I think that offense is going to be better. They have more pieces around him. So Xavier is one of those like risers for me based on value this year that we could be like, oh yeah, of course he's wide receiver too. That's crazy. Like, oh, he went top 20. That wouldn't shock me. Um, but if he has more drops, he, he struggles kind of with like his inconsistent production this year. If Texas isn't back, like, you know, they're never back. But if he, if they really struggle, then yeah, you'd be worried about it. But I do think he's a hold in Debbie right now because I do think he's, his value is kind of low on the lower side to where if he has a few good games coming out of the stretch with Texas, they do good against Oklahoma in the rivalry game, that's when his value is probably going to be the best. Noted. Um, the only, I guess, qu quick question I have on that before we move on is, do you think that how these kind of smaller wide receivers that came out in this draft class, how they perform will kind of dictate a little bit where Xavier Worthy goes or how they value him in next year's draft I, I think it all depends on the offensive system we're seeing a lot of 12 personnel now and so like the biggest thing is is like I, I think that teams I think Zay went a little earlier and even Addison to the to a point because they can play inside and out so like they can play on the out like Zay Flowers can play on the outside. He might look like a slot guy and they might just use him there. But I do think that they can move these guys around because I think they're versatile. I think that's the question with Worthy. Is he an out guy? Can he play on the out? Can he play that X, Y, whatever the case may be? Or is he just going to be in a slot? That's the question that you have to ask yourself with Worthy. I think right now he more projects as a slot. So then, yeah, that's going to narrow his teams down to where who can use him in that slot if they're going to go to that route. Um, but if he can maybe do it, yeah. And I think they're always going to look at that production. But we are seeing NFL teams using smaller guys because that's just the that's just the nature of offenses now. We saw, you know, we're seeing it in a college and they're coming into it. Um, we are seeing more 12 personnel. But the reason for that is because NFL teams just have small linebackers now because they needed them to cover all these slot guys and stay with these uh, smaller tight ends. And so we're going to see a sh shift back to that. So a guy like Worthy and some of these other guys are going to get valued because they are going to be able to manipulate matchups. So it's just like that ever-flowing um, evolution of the game. Yeah, yes. yeah, really interesting. And I'm interested to see how he performs this season, see whether I can sell him or maybe if he performs really well, keep him on my team. Um, let's talk about another guy that we mentioned earlier, the tight end Brock Bowers. 
So, Kevin, you were saying that you have some reservations on him. Um, kind of what are your thoughts? Why are you a bit bit kind of nervous about him compared to some other analysts and, and people in the industry? So okay i'm gonna get canceled because like everybody loves everybody loves brock <laughs> bowers and so like i and i like brock brock to me like even in my dynasty rankings my combined rankings i still have brock as a top seven guy like in dynasty and, and debbie but i think you know six four two thirty two thirty worries me a little bit because i do think that he struggles in press coverage and i do think he struggles with separation and i think that todd monken's offense really highlighted his strengths um but that that offense kind of highlights every tight end strength that we've seen um, I, I, I just worry about the size, but I also, here's the thing. If you're in a startup and you're drafting Brock Bowers, I've seen him go as high as 104. You're really missing out on some like legitimate pieces that running back wide receiver or even quarterback position. So for me, Bowers is a stay away because like, look, look at Laporta. Sam Laporta was not getting drafted last year in Debbie drafts. That dude got drafted as the tight end two in the NFL draft ahead of Michael Mayer. And you were taking Michael Mayer probably where you're taking Brock Bowers right now. And that's how I kind of look at the value. I think that's where my hesitation is. Now, if you have him, you're probably pretty excited because he's probably going to be a top 10 tight end coming out. Um, and you probably didn't necessarily need to use top eight draft capital for him. So that's that's really where my hesitation lies. As far as a receiver, when you're looking at everything, like um, adjusted receiving yards per team pass attempt, that's something that's really good. You want to kind of be at that 1.0. He's at three, almost 3.0. Um, weighted dominator rating. He hit his dominator rating for two straight years. Um, his um, adjusted dominator rating, so essentially dominator rating, just receptions, touchdowns, how does that all market share tie into it? And he was ahead of Kyle Pitts, Bowers, Ingram, all guys that were there. Um, and we'll, we'll see that. Um, but people don't realize that like Michael Mayer's dominator rating was almost 0.37. So this last year, and he still was tied in three because of that athleticism question. And that's the same question I have for Brock. Where's that athleticism going to be? Yeah. Good job. We're in England and no one's really listening, isn't it, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to our second tight end, Jatavion Sanders. Um, I have to admit, I know absolutely nothing about him. Yeah. So happy to hear whatever you think uh, yeah. about him, Kevin. And, I don't think either of us are tight end fans, are we, Hannah, particularly? No, I mean, elite or, or non, right? Yeah, they're all non. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll keep it quick for him. I don't really necessarily <laughs> like any tight ends in Debbie. So, like, I'm a very... Um, <laughs> and I made you put two on the sheet, right? So <laughs> Yeah, you made me put two on the sheet, but also, like... <laughs> To me, I'm very like I'm very anti quarterback and anti tight end and Debbie because I think that the values just don't match up um, and you miss out on so much. Um, like I only have three quarterbacks that I would take in a Debbie draft right now, and I only have one tight end. I'm taking Brock. That's it. I don't care. Like, and I, I wouldn't even take Brock right now based on his value, how high he's going. Jatavian is just a big kid, so it's like what you're what you're gonna do for this, you're gonna project uh athleticism 6'4 250 playing with Quinn Ewers in Texas was kind of a target hog last year had like 75 targets 54 catches 613 yards and five touchdowns and you're expecting that bigger bump for production style they have added to that wide receiver room though so maybe his receiving yards go down but maybe his efficiency in the red zone goes up he had a few drops but for him you're just projecting 6'4 250 and is pretty athletic freak. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe he can kind of step in there and get day two capital. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just really interested. Sorry, I know we're, we're, we're going on, but I just have to ask this question before we move on. Um, you were saying, obviously, you're not that keen on taking quarter. I can see why tight ends. I think it's similar with us in rookie drafts. You know, I just don't see the value of taking them at that point. Um, but in terms of quarterbacks in, in Devi leagues, is that basically because there can be so much fluctuation in terms of kind of how they do and then eventually where they end up going in the NFL or I'm just intrigued on, on that kind of point. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just based on the miss rates that you see from the position, but also in dynasty startup, I'm getting two top 12 guys, no matter what. So like I'm going to sure up the NFL side in my dynasty leagues at the quarterback position to where I don't need to take a Debbie quarterback. And I'll let my other league mates reach on guys like that. And like I saw Michael Penix Jr. Go in the third round. I feel like that's a dead pick because six year kid that has injury history while I'm taking a freshman running back like Justin Haynes, who could be the running back one in the 26th class so I don't have to reach on the quarterback position while others might right and I think that's where it comes from um and the only 33 quarterbacks I feel comfortable drafting may Caleb and Andrew Aller from Penn State is because I think that they have could be the QB1 or QB2 of the class and their values pretty much align with what my values would be um but yeah it's just really about miss rates that's really where I'm at like okay they miss too much I can extract other positions and other value at those spots yeah, I think the variance in role between a college tight end and an NFL tight end is so different. It's almost yeah. a different job, essentially. It's a lot more different, which is why we see the time it takes for, for general tight ends to, to progress into the league and become fantasy worthy. Yeah. Yeah, totally makes sense. Uh, I've just got one more question for you, Kevin, and then we will give you a bit of a breather. Um, we, we do have a guest question for you too, but this is my last question on, on this, this 24 class. And that is, um, which player do you think that's not currently kind of on the dynasty radar that you think could play their way into rookie drafts in, in 24? So there's a kid, um, and I'll, I'll keep it very like I don't want to go too deep because then you'll then your listeners will stop listening. But there's a <clears throat> there's a wide receiver at LSU. His name is Malik Neighbors. Um, he projects he, he was much better than um, he, he was much better than Keishon Butte last year. He only had three touchdowns, but he had a thousand yards, seventy two receptions, six foot one ninety five, and also helmet scouting is not a bad idea with some of these guys, LSU wide receivers. They tend to pan out. Um, he looked really good athleticism wise. As long as he doesn't get off, off field troubles. Uh, he had some run-ins a little bit this off season. I think he's going to project pretty higher than people think. And then real quick, Trey Benson from Florida state running back. He's getting talked about a little bit buzz in this class, like running back two as high as that. He's got good, really good tape. So if he has a big year, those are two names to watch Malik neighbors, wide receiver from LSU and then Trey Benson running back from Florida state. Your neighbors are a proper deep threat, isn't he? From what I know of him, yeah, deep threat can kind of good. You know, kind of reminds me of like I don't want to say Jamar Chase just because it's LSU, but like kind of like a uh, Jamar Chase, Evan Stewart kite mold. Evan Stewart okay. plays for Texas A and M. Um, if good value where he's going right now, and could be the wide receiver three of the class. So like when when awesome. you're looking at like could pop up, that's a kid that kind of comes to mind. Cool. So we've got a bonus player as well. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> So just before we go, Kevin, I'm sure you're parched because we've had you talking for basically an hour. Um, with every guest we have on, we always ask them to pose a question to our next guest. Um, we don't tell you what the question is before you come on, um, just to kind of have a, 
an answer that that you kind of come out with straight away so lewis the content creator for king fantasy sports was our previous guest and he posed the following question to you uh, which wide receivers of the 2022 rookie class do you think will rise the most in value over the course of this season and which player do you think may fall the most in value Oh man. Um, <laughs> I think so player. I think I, I don't want to say his name cause I've been such a hater, but I think Traylon Burks is going to rise in value based on where he's probably going in, in dynasty and where I ranking wise, he's the number one guy. As long as his asthma is okay, like he's going to get targeted like, and you're going to see that. So I would kind of rank Traylon Burks is probably being that, that kid that definitely rises in value. Um, the other one, as far as like, who's going to drop, I hate to say it. I think Jamison Williams might actually, because his value right now is still like a top 16, 17 yeah. asset. And if he's not on the field that first eight, eight weeks, and if he struggles again after he comes back or six weeks or whatever it is, his value is going to dip a little bit. Not saying I'm out on him, but you could see a very, um, very, you know, big fall there in terms of like maybe finds himself outside the top 24, 25. A lot of monsters. Yeah, I can totally see both of those happening. Um, so, Kevin, um, we now ask you for a question for our next guest. Um, it can be anything to do with Dynasty. Um, so the floor is yours. Yeah, I got a good one because this is a, a thing I'm on right now. So in because uh, Dynasty managers are such snobs um, <laughs> and they hate running backs, you're seeing a big value shift to maybe going bully running back in startups. So is there a scenario where you feel like whoever, you know, whoever's on next, where you feel like that you could go bully running back. So even in super flex leagues, let's say you draft three or four running backs after your quarterbacks or whatever the case may be. And you actually wait on wide receiver. Is there, a, is there, a, is that a kind of optimal strategy this year going into startups based on the values that you're seeing out there? And in my estimation, the wide receiver position is not as deep as people think it is. So maybe you can kind of, you know, you can go the other way. You can essentially kind of go after running backs early rather than wide receivers. It's a very interesting one. Looking forward to putting that to our, our next guest. So, Kevin, thank you so much. I... I mm. You and Dan have been having some nice conversations. I've basically bombarded you with lots of questions. <laughs> but we are, I'm really, really appreciative of you coming on. Please, before we go, please can you remind everyone where they can find you, where they can find your rankings and your Patreon and everything like that. I would highly recommend kind of getting involved and, and get, getting over there and, and seeing your stuff because there's loads of great content there. Yeah, we do. Um, so we have our WRL Patreon and uh, essentially it's three bucks a month. That's all it is. And we do uh, Debbie Dynasty rankings. So we have a bunch of them there. So it's an auto populated sheet. So you get everything. You get our Debbie Dynasty and combined rankings all in one. Um, on top of that, we have the manifesto, which is like a 350 page breakdown of every power five team depth chart players to watch stuff like that um a discord uh we have podcast only patreon um, episodes we have all that stuff for our patreon and then you can also find our youtube channel so i do a lot of free devi content um on there and mocks and rankings and tiers and all those type of things to help you out with understanding player value and that's at the debbie real youtube channel uh and if you enjoy college football if you want to get to know a little bit about like maybe dynasty values compared to Debbie, I would highly recommend it. 
I'm on that it. sounds awesome. Yeah, absolutely recommend everyone a subscribe. I'm going to head over there right now. Um, I think it's, you know, even just playing Dynasty, not even necessarily Devi, it's really useful to know who's coming up next, what college players we should be keeping an eye on um, because it's all important, you know, to us moving forward. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you again, Kevin. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter, YouTube, and obviously your favourite podcast provider. And And uh, we will see you next week. So don't forget, keep rushing. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.